Today on the show, I'm happy to have Shay Brown. He's the CEO of Babel AI. They're helping organizations maintain ethical AI. So before this, you were an absolutely terrible student, and now you're the CEO of an AI company. So anything can happen, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, no, I was a very terrible student, I think. So for context, I'm also a professor of astrophysics now, and so I have to teach students fairly complex stuff at a time when it, they may not be ready for it. And so I, I always tell the story of my academic background just to try to get them to understand that you don't need to have everything. So I was a really bad student. I grew up in rural Maine. In fact, I grew up in a really weird circumstances. We didn't have any running water, no electricity, and it was like a one-room shack, uh, basically. It was literally tar paper on the outside. But that was irrelevant. I don't think that had anything to do with me being a poor student, but I was a very bad student. I didn't really pay attention. I also didn't think that I was so used to failing that I didn't think that I could do things. I was always waiting for the point where I was going to feel very behind and confused. And so when I did finally go to college, I went to a local community college and I had failed algebra two, I think three times. And it, so I definitely thought math was not going to be my thing. And so I went to college uh, and I was just waiting for that point for me to fail. And, and there was this time when one of my professors said, uh, you should just relax, go sit down, grab a beer, try to do this math problem and just relax. It's not going to be a big deal. You're not going to be good at this now. And so I essentially came away with this attitude that I'm okay with where I'm at right this moment. And all I'm going to do is try to incrementally get better at whatever I'm doing. And, fr and from then on, I just, it was low stress. I was never worried about it. So I'm quite happy with what I'm doing now, but I'm learning this fun new thing and let's see where it goes. And so far that's taken me where I am now. It's amazing how it was just changing the approach to learning. Yeah. It's 100% attitude. It's, it's, if you feel like you aren't going to be able to do something, or if you are, not, if you don't, if you want to be perfect at something, when you first try it, then you're almost guaranteeing yourself to fail because as soon as you fail and you will fail, you're going to, you're going to feel bad about yourself. You're going to feel like it has something intrinsically to do to you, with you, as opposed to just success is literally just time, time on working on something. It's a, it's an integration of the time you spend on a particular topic and you can't expect to succeed unless you have accrued that time. And so have that expectation in the beginning, and then you can just say, I've only spent two hours working on this. How could I be good at it? So what inspired you to jump from being professor to now an entrepreneur? Yeah, it was just one of those things. So I used artificial intelligence in my research, and that was something that I, I taught myself how to do it. Like it wasn't something that you get trained as an astrophysicist to do, use artificial intelligence. But there's so much data coming from the sky that it's just impossible. You could have everyone on earth looking at the data 24 hours a day for their entire lives and we wouldn't get through all of it. So it has to, we have to have some sort of automation. And so I taught myself machine learning and artificial intelligence techniques. And I decided that it would be fun to start a company because I wanted to do something big. I wanted it to be part of this revolution. And originally it was going to be building AI for NASA or something like something adjacent to what I was doing. But this was around 2018. It was the time when 
things like ProPublica came out with this report about biased algorithms in recidivism, where it was predicting people whether they're going to reoffend or not, and they're quite biased. Cambridge Analytica, there were all sorts of scandals around algorithmic systems that were coming out. And I felt like tackling the ethics and the governance of these algorithms was a better use of my particular skill set. And so we pivoted the company to this sort of responsible AI space. Have you found it is as fun as you thought? Absolutely. Because it's, so at the time and when we founded it, like uh, people were not that interested, but when you do the sort of typical customer discovery process, that any entrepreneur has to do, go out and talk to people and see what they need. Nobody wanted this. So people, it's like we audit algorithms, we make sure they're fair and unbiased and, or to the extent that they can be, and that you have governance in place and people are like, okay, why we're just trying to build this thing. Why are we going to worry about this extra layer? Fast forward now to where we're at currently where regulation is, everybody's talking about it and, and audits are going to be required by law and are required by law. I'm glad I stuck with it because if a real business person, a lot of real business people told me like abandon it if nobody wants it. But I, I really felt passionately that this is something that eventually would be needed. Luckily, you didn't start too early to where now you're in that perfect spot of having the experience when the trend hit. That's right. Yeah. If, if it had been a few years earlier, I would have given up and said, okay, clearly it doesn't. It, nobody needs it. Let's move on to building something else. Yeah. We were very lucky that we stuck with it just long enough for it to finally become something that's actually marketable. So now that the trend is aligning with the business, what's happening with the growth and the demand and things like that? It's doing quite well. So we're still a little bit early. So there's only a few laws that require, actually require these sorts of audits. And there's one in New York City, which is requiring them. And the EU AI Act, which is a big regulation, which is now being decided in Europe, the fine details of it, that is going to pass. And in 20, kind of end of 2024, 2025, that's going to be when that really hits its stride in terms of people being required to do this. So there is still a lot of work in terms of convincing people that this is the right thing to do and there's market value for them. And there's just intrinsic value in terms of demonstrating your ethical stance, but we can see a clear path towards when, when this is going to be a big industry and it's not very long from now. Yeah. How do you sustain it this far? Like financially and businesses are demanding. That's a good question. We're a bootstrap company. Like we have not taken funding yet and, and we may. So what we focused on initially was building expertise and luckily people that were early employees in the company had other jobs. A lot of us were academics, like I said, teaching uh, astrophysics. And so our focus was not on let's find clients to pay us enough money that we can sustain ourselves right now. Let's focus on being the experts in this narrow field. And then that has paid off because there aren't that many experts in this narrow field. And as soon as we start getting clients, they're willing to pay a lot of money for that expertise. And so we can maintain ourselves now simply from income from clients. And that might limit our scalability at the moment, but at least we feel like that's a good way to start. Yeah, it's giving you sustainability. Yeah. And that's, and in the end of the day, that's what you, what you want. I think people go for funding too fast and we did get offers early on for funding, but 
what happens is immediately you start having shareholders, which are going to put demands on getting return on their investment. And it could force you to scale in ways that you may not feel are appropriate. And for sure I didn't because my main mission was that this company was going to have a lasting impact. And so I wanted to make sure that the market was aligned with our expertise, the, we had the right kind of knowledge to know where the pain points are before we started to scale in ways that we, that may not be sustainable. I do the approach of becoming absolute experts and almost consultants in the field and then creating the product around that. Yeah. I think it's really necessary. And we're, I, I think we, if, as you talk to people who are trying to build products, the, if you talk to enough of them, you will find a lot that are not in that space, that they have a product, they have an idea or an MVP trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist or have a solution for a problem that doesn't exist or trying to solve a problem with something that doesn't actually solve the problem. And I wanted to avoid being in that situation, being a slave to the features that we've currently created and try to wrap the client around those features as opposed to really making sure we had the right features that are going to bring value to the client immediately, even if it's just incremental. Yeah, that's going to make everything work better from convincing the client to buy from you when that time comes to building the proper feature set now from day one. It's going to save you cost on development. It's going to save you cost on client acquisition all the way around. Yeah. The only danger, of course, is that the people, those who move fast, could potentially get in front of clients faster. I think that's the game everybody has to play is that you can wait around to get it perfect and then you don't get in front of the right people and you have competitors, you've lost some first mover advantage. And that's a real, that has been a worry for us for a long time because there, if you were to look a few years ago at what, how many companies out there are auditing AI algorithms, there were very few on one hand. And now there's a lot and they would have, and they are all having technological platforms that are going to support that. And so now is a critical time. So it is a gamble. You can wait and get it perfect, or you can rush quickly and mess it up. But then there's a sweet spot in between and the knock on wood, the hope is that we're hitting that sweet spot. Yeah, I think you are. So if our listeners wanted to reach out to Babel AI, how could they do so? So we are, so we're on LinkedIn. I think if you, our company page is on LinkedIn, just search for Babel AI. Our website is Babel, B-A-B-L dot AI. And I'm also on LinkedIn and also Twitter. Thank you, Shay, for coming on the show. And thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.